Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. Before we get started with this episode, we do want to let you know about a little bit of a programming update. We've been getting a lot of questions on Twitter and over email for people asking how to get started with manual brewing. So we decided to have a conversation with our good friend Steve Reinhardt over at Prima Coffee about what recommendations he might have, what recommendations we have about how to get started in manual brewing. And the conversation went so long, uh, we decided to split it up into two episodes. So this episode, episode 20, we're going to be discussing some of our recommendations for the best brew methods for someone getting started in manual brewing at home. Episode 21, which is going to release next week on Thursday, uh, we'll be discussing all the other products that you might need to pick up besides just the brew method itself. So we'll be talking about grinders, we'll be talking about scales, we'll be talking about thermometers, we'll be talking about kettles, all kinds of other products, and we'll also be talking about where and when to pick up these products to get the best bang for your buck. So without further ado, episode 20, Manual Brewing with Steve Reinhardt. Welcome to episode 20 of the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast, the podcast for people who care about coffee. I'm your host, Brian Sheely, and joining me today, as always, is my good friend and my co-host, the undisputed beatbox champion of the bathtub, Mr. Brian Bikey. What's up, Brian? What's up, man? <laughs> That was pretty weak. It was good, man. I, you know, not everybody knows that you are uh, the legend that is Mr. Beatbox. You know, um, I try and keep it a secret, but there is one person um, I cannot keep a secret from, and that is uh, our special guest joining us on the podcast tonight, who happens to be uh, Steve Reinhardt, the brand lead of Prima Coffee and once a month Quill's UofL barista special guest extraordinaire. Steve, how are you this evening? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, guys. I'm not going to beatbox for you, though. No, that's that's great. We just leave that to Brian usually. So yeah, yeah, I think that's the safe bet. <laughs> He's very good at it. I, I, I'm thinking about editing in as the closing music that beatbox sample that I'm referring to. Um, so you'll okay. have to listen to the entire episode to find out exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to any of you that do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about that. It's painful, but I can't uh, wait to hear it. It's it's gonna be great, really. Um. So anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, Steve. Super cool to have you on. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. You are totally our first guest, which is really cool. Yes. Um, couldn't think of anyone who we'd want to have on more, especially for the topic that we're going to talk about. Uh, but before we actually get into wrapping up some feedback from last week and sort of getting into a new topic, I'm going to throw this one to Brian. Brian, what you brewing? Probably my favorite coffee that I've been brewing was uh, from this month's uh, cafe box mm -hmm. and i don't i don't know if you were going to say this one or not so i apologize if i was i but, did uh, not I, I i was gonna leave this one for you because i know this was okay. your favorite so yeah so so in the cafe box we had um he started this new thing where there's two smaller offerings of coffees from the roasters which is really great again for like the u.s people who are on the subscription to to try maybe a couple of offerings from roasters so this month it was um jacobson uh jacobson and svart um, svart Svart. Do they say swart? Do they, like, no am I supposed to say the V <laughs> is a W? <laughs> I, I, is it Norwegian? It's, yeah, it's they're Norwegian. Norway. Okay. 
And um, so, but they had two coffees in the box. And uh, the one in particular that I've just really been driving on is their El Salvador, like the San Francisco mm-hmm. El Salvador. Um, and it's been great. Uh, I've enjoyed it very much on both the AeroPress and on the Kalita, but I think I give it a little bit more to the Kalita. Um, it's got a nice soft fruit sweetness to it, but if anyone has has been drinking El Salvador's lately, you might notice that a lot of them have just uh, a nice, maybe chocolatey profile, but it's just it's just overly sweet, right? And not necessarily juicy fruit sweet, um, not necessarily. Um, very sweetness like a natural it's just a sweet drinkable coffee it doesn't even really taste like overwhelmingly like a traditional natural either that i know is it is it a natural it is a natural yeah no way it's a natural i i can't read the website because it's in it's in norwegian so yeah it's a natural no it's not regardless this coffee is awesome. The, one of my favorites in the AeroPress, though, like the the uh, the flavor, the fruit flavor I was getting was was like eating kiwi, but also getting some of that like fuzziness from the 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 skin of the kiwi as well. Like I don't know how to describe it. Just that mouth, it was is crazy. It the is good. It was crazy. It had pops of floral in it, and it was just delicate but sweet and just easy drinker i mean i could just there's not enough of it in that bag for me just to just brew cup after cup so let's go to steve and see what he's been brewing. yeah um well we uh at prima we just got um a couple of bags of chromatic in um courtesy of uh our good friend chris mendoza over there um so we've been pulling shots of their gamut espresso um so we got a we got a single group slayer in the office and Wait, what would you say <laughs> i'm sorry my jealousy burns is that like a is that like a breville um yeah yeah you could it's hey, don't much, knock yeah. the breville i think uh i think bed bath and beyond they'll give you like one of those 15 percent off coupons oh my go gosh that would be slayer. that would be so great if i had a 15 <laughs> percent off code for a slayer yeah. uh, <laughs> but continue yeah so you know we're we're super excited to have this slayer in the office and pull shots on it every day but um you know if you're if you're unfamiliar with the Slayer, um, it's got a pretty unique sort of approach to brewing espresso in that it's got like a three-stage thing going on. So you have a, a paddle group with an offsetting, then there's the pre-brew setting, and then there's like the full pressure, um, you know, full pump on. Um, so what that allows you to do is um, instead of a traditional sort of like pre-infusion mode, you can kind of go, actually go back and forth between full full pressure brew and the pre-brew, and you can actually set both the pump pressure and um, the pre pre-brew like flow rate. Um, and we got a whole like video we've been working on to kind of actually cover what all that means. But basically, you have this like just a, an immense level of control over how you want your shots to taste. So when we get something like a, you know a really tasty blend like Gamut we can really like go crazy and dial it in. And we were pulling shots that were just like super sweet caramel today. Um, we throw a little steam milk in there and it's just like, I don't know. It's like dessert in a cup. It's so tasty. So uh, yeah, we've been really excited. You know, we got like two pounds of it and I think we went through like an entire pound of it already today with like, you know, four people pulling shots. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, real, real fun 
um, just pulling shots all afternoon. And you guys are pretty active on Periscope too. Do you have any? Were you guys giggling about that coffee on Periscope today or anything? No, not today. Um, we yeah, we did get into Periscope recently. Um, I I mean, I really like it from just like a you know guy sitting at home bored, you know, looking to see who's who's streaming what. Um, but you know, for for Prima, it's really nice because we we always get a lot of these questions that are like you know, hey, how do I dial in like a brewer or, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about, um, you know, that product that you have or whatever. And, you know, there's there's a lot of effort that goes into making a full-fledged, you know, product over video, overview video or like a brewing demonstration where, you know, if we're just feeling the, you know, feeling it in the moment, we can just jump on Periscope and uh, like live stream a brewing demo and, uh, you know, save the video for later, upload it to YouTube um, I don't know. It's really, it's just awesome. You know, social media is just getting cooler and cooler every day. And something like Periscope really makes, um, what we want to do a lot easier. And, you know, we'll probably still go back and make those product overview videos, you know, make them look nice. But in the meantime, you know, when we want to, you know, save a little time or just feel a little spontaneous, we can jump on Periscope and still give people what they're looking for and help them out. For sure. Brian, what are you brewing? Have you guys had mountain air coffee? yet i have not yet yeah so i i hadn't yet um i you know i did a whole big la crawl and stuff and and in a lot of the multi roasters that i stopped at they were i think most of them were carrying mountain air and i i had never had them yet so i decided i'd finally order mountain air and um, i ordered a different coffee but along with it came a couple of samples and one of the samples blew my mind um it was the Kenya Karinga AB. It was, um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm assuming it's fresh crop. I, I have to guess that it is. Um, but it was just ridiculously deep. Like it had a really dense, deep body and it was really exotic, like very complex. It started out and, you know, had this overwhelmingly, um, almost grape candy sort of sweetness to it a little bit of i mean there was citrus all throughout like from the very beginning from very first sip all the way to the end um but it it, it kind of turned into this sparkly um citrus peel sort of finish at the end uh but grapefruit sweet you know all all the way around it was it was definitely a really fun coffee and i'm not sure I'm not sure I've had a coffee recently that sort of just was that citrusy front to back. Can uh, I ask how did that stand up compared to the um, Honeyco Kenya that you talked about oh, a couple yeah. episodes ago? Because I, I went to order that after you talked yeah. about it because you talked about how citrusy it was and you seemed to really be jiving on it, but they were out by the time I got to the site. So I would say they're very similar, actually. That's that's a really okay. that's a cool comparison. I, I hadn't even made that comparison, but yeah. Um, it it was probably a little bit deeper. I think the Honeyco Kenya was um, a bit brighter, maybe. Um, but this was it was super good. Uh, definitely something I'd recommend, especially as a replacement to that uh, I, Honeyco Kenya. I, I don't want to be too too pitchy, but I, I will also throw um, throw my my piece in about Mountain Air. Throw your I don't piece in, to, Brian. 
I don't get to uh, have his coffees all that often, but um, I remember the first time I did was in a craft coffee subscription and ridiculous uh, natural processed coffee. It was fantastic. And I, I have tried several of his coffees since. And I think that his website, I think he has a really good understanding about describing the cup profile, mm -hmm. um, a really affordable price point for the coffees. And you can get like a sampler of, I don't, you might remember me. I, th I thought they're like all about eight ounce samples. You can get like four of them for a very, very affordable, like 20 something bucks. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, I just I've always had good experiences with Mountain Air. The last time I got some some things for espresso from him, and like you you mentioning that just reminded me I probably should pick something else up. Yeah, sorry. And they, and they also just tie, tying into a previous episode, um, they offer a really really competitively priced subscription option. So if you're looking for an option to subscribe, they actually have a really a really great price point for the amount of coffee that they would be willing to offer every month or whatever. So last week, uh, or last episode, I guess, on episode 19, we talked about cold brewing coffee or serving coffee cold or different ways to brew cold coffee. And we got a lot of folks talking about their experiences, um, which, you know, I th this is kind of awesome, but we did link last week to a Prima Coffee uh, blog article all about cold brewing coffee, uh, mm -hmm. which oh, yeah. I had actually not seen before the episode, and I've since used it, uh, which nice. has been pretty pretty awesome. Um, but no, we got a lot of people who have been uh, brewing their coffee cold. I saw a lot of people doing like hot uh, bloom versus yep, just standard cold brews, or finding different mesh cloth or cloths or something like that that you can steep your coffee in and then just take it out without having to deal with a mess yep and uh jeremy kinder on instagram has been posting a little bit about his experiences over the last week he's been doing the uh, the shaken aeropress we got a lot of folks uh commenting back on uh last week's episode so thanks everybody for your feedback and keep it up this last week we had a, a bunch of people even still talking about our subscription episode so if you if you have a chance to try some cold brew or different methods of iced brewing or you know anything that we talked about on the last episode, yeah, keep letting us know. Uh, we'd love to hear your experiences and any questions or feedback you might have uh, from that episode. So Steve's here, yes, and we're going to talk on this episode about something that Steve has some professional experience with, and that is different products that somebody might be looking for who's trying to get into manual brewing. And I say that because Steve works for Prima Coffee, and they are a huge distributor of a lot of different products. Most of them probably we'll, we'll talk about through this or on this episode. So thanks for being here, Steve. Appreciate you uh, jumping on at the very last minute. Yeah, thanks for having me. Where are you actually located? Where Where do you live? Uh, I am here in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, okay. the land of uh, bourbon and racehorses, and <laughs> you know all kinds of fun things. Um, that's and awesome. that's uh, that's where Prima Coffee is located as well. Um, we have our you know our headquarters and warehouse and everything here. Um, we're an online retailer, so we don't actually have a brick and mortar shop, but um, yeah, all of our operations are here in Louisville. We're going to start off this whole discussion about manual brewing and 
the the various products that somebody might want to go pick up. Um, we're going to start this discussion though, kind of talking about our beginnings in manual brewing, like where each of us started, and then we'll start getting into some of the major products that you are probably thinking about or interested in. Um, if you've never gotten into specialty coffee or brewing specialty coffee at home, we're going to talk about a bunch of products that you might care about, irrespective of the price point that you might be starting out at. And the whole reason I think why we're beginning this discussion is Brian and I have recently got a ton of questions. I mean, this is the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. So we've been getting a ton of questions from people uh, with this same exact question. How do I get started brewing better coffee at home? And so that's what we're going to try to answer here. We've also had the the questions about getting a coffee in and dialing it in. Yeah. And that is something that we're going to do on a later podcast. So know that that's something that's going to be addressed too. But we just assumed that somebody who is learning about craft coffee is learning about the fact that they can make their coffee taste better than how they assumed it. Like it, it was always done right via a, a machine in Folgers or your, your K cup machine as they're coming out of something like that and realizing they could have more control and they can have more flavor, how we might want to direct them. And, you know, I think this whole discussion is useful, not only for people who are just getting started, you know, maybe you've been brewing coffee at home with a certain amount of equipment for a while, and you're thinking maybe about you know upping some of your uh, some of your brew gear, or you're you're thinking about maybe picking up a brand new grinder, or you know whatever. We're going to talk about a couple of of options maybe if you're looking to uh, improve your brewing at home. So definitely not just a discussion for people who are just first getting started here. And it's also it can also serve as a refresher to perhaps anybody who serves in some capacity in the coffee scene if they listen to this podcast, because sure. there are most likely people who will approach them with these similar questions and um, being able to have answers to go to for somebody will will help somebody feel accepted into this crazy realm that exists of specialty coffee that can go super deep. So I guess let's start out and talk about how we started. Brian. How did you start with brewing specialty coffee at home? To be honest, I, I did a lot of French press and just our our regular coffee maker. When I first got started, we had we had a blade grinder. I had a I had a Mr. Coffee, but I, I started by getting coffee from like local roasters, right? Or when where it happened when I was in Cincinnati, Bentry Coffee Roasters. I want to say they were in Kent, Ohio. I'm not exactly sure where that was from Cincinnati, but um a friend had let me try some and I was ordering from them and I would just, you know, do my normal scoops of so many tablespoons of coffee to how much water. And I would just I'd always have to constantly play with the ratio because it was never exactly right. But my first step was just getting coffee that I knew was of better quality. And then when I first took my kind of jump into equipment, I kind of just did a, a grouping of some stuff. I, I got a uh, a Jennings scale that at the time was seen as a nice big footprint for whatever you'd want to put on it. It had a nice range of weight. I got a Chemex in the filters and I got, uh, I think I just had a kettle that we had on our stovetop. I don't think I got a grinder or anything at that time. I think slow, sh shortly after I probably picked up a burr grinder, but um, that's kind of a, a quick transition between, you know, where I was and then 
some of the equipment I, I got initially. And I've, I've obviously grown a lot since then, but well, I feel like that's, that's the starting place for a lot of people. Cause it was sort of my starting place. I was actually working at Starbucks. I bought a French press. I was really excited about the French press. And, you know, I also bought a burr grinder from them and I kind of started out in that direction and in a similar way. Like I was not really, I was always tinkering with the ratios of stuff and I was just scooping out and, you know, measuring volumes of water. And I never really, never really felt super comfortable with the French press. Uh, but the first time I really did start feeling more comfortable with manual brewing at home was when I got my V60 and I started brewing with the V60. I also did at the same time, get a, uh, get a Hario kettle and, you know, I was got some direction from a few of the baristas at our local coffee shop cartel here in Phoenix and basically just started brewing at home, you know, and it, that was when it started really changing for me was the introduction of a few uh, new devices, I guess, besides just the French press. So about you, Steve, well, how'd you get started? Uh, well, I think I kind of did it backwards. So like you, the Slayer, I was, right? You started yeah, with the I got Slayer. a single group Slayer yeah, how did to start you know? off. Uh, <laughs> I've only been brewing coffee for two months. Um, wow. <laughs> no, so I I started back in college, um, and I went to I went to school in Rochester, New York. And around that time, like you know, I was drinking coffee and whatever, but um, I sort of started with an espresso machine, and that was the the Hamilton Beach, and I remember this. The Hamilton Beach 40729. And I remember this specifically because later on, I added a PID to that espresso machine when I was like really bit by the coffee bug. Um, so I had to find if anybody had ever done it before, and it turns out they had. Um, so I was working in a, a, a coffee shop called Leaf and Bean, um, just a small indie cafe. And we didn't do any like manual brewed coffee. We like the most hands on thing we had was espresso. So that's kind of like, you know, I was like, well, if I want to brew coffee at home, I want to do espresso because I feel really connected to that process and everything. Um, so I had this small home espresso maker. I was taking home ground coffee, um, you know, doing the same thing. Like Brian, you said, I, I was just like measuring out tablespoons and my results were all over the place. Um, I think eventually I bought like one of those Fosper grinders. Um, I, I totally forget, you know, the brand doesn't even matter because they're all just cheaply made and rebadged, I'm sure. Um, you know, it broke after like six uses. Um, I, I wound up buying a Hario Skirton, and that was where I was like, I was really off the deep end. Like, I, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I need to get a scale. And I was looking up stuff on Coffee Geek, and I was like, oh, well, I need to start buying better beans. So I was buying stuff from Vivace and, you know, getting it shipped to my house, and I thought that you know, $16 for, I think like two pounds of espresso was a lot of money, wow. <laughs> you know, which I probably paid more than double that, uh, now anyway. Um, but, uh, I didn't really start doing manual brewed coffee. I, I guess I probably brewed a French press here and there, like during that time, but I didn't really start doing a lot of manual brew at home until after I had graduated college. Um, cause that was when I got like my first serious burr grinder, uh, which was a reefer Barazza Vario that I still have today and it wow. still works great. And those, I, I love those grinders. Um, but yeah, it was like a graduation gift for my parents. It was a really big deal for me. It was, uh, so I started exploring manual brewing 
I think I got like a bee house stripper and at some point I got a Yama siphon and I just like, I just started going crazy, but mainly because I was reading about all the stuff on coffee geek, you know, I was already, I already felt really prepared to try these methods because I'd already read, um, people's insights into how to brew with them and like how to make the best of it. And, you know, again, like I said, by that point, I had already also added a PID to my own espresso machine. So I felt like, you know, I felt pretty in command of coffee at that point. You were you were already down the rabbit hole at that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I couldn't see the opening anymore. That's good. Well, cool. Yeah. Before the episode started, actually, we were kind of in this discussion and I, and I want to continue this discussion now. Um, so I want to talk about for those of you out there who are looking to get started in manual brewing. What device, what brew method should you probably start with? And, you know, we're, we're going to talk a lot about price and a lot about uh, expense of different products here coming up. Um, but I feel like when talking about brew methods and picking up a particular brew method, they all are sort of in the same ballpark. Like, I don't, I don't particularly know of a of a brew method that I would really go out of my way to recommend to somebody that's super spendy. So with that said, and and you guys are welcome to disagree with me after I just said that, but with that said, Brian, if you were going to give somebody a recommendation on what to start off with, uh, maybe as a brew method, where would you, where would you lead somebody to start? I, to be honest, I usually like to suggest to people the clever coffee dripper. Which I don't actually have. Yeah. I should probably is, uh, get one. <laughs> yeah, you, you should. should. I should and totally get just, one. Just quickly, I do want to mention, yeah, before before we start talking, Steve had, had a great point about, uh, you know, some people are going to come to Specialty Coffee or maybe even come to this podcast with a general, like, interest to grow their knowledge about coffee. And, and that might be somebody who had had gone to a shop or gone to a friend's house and had a really great cup of coffee brewed on a French press. Or that might be somebody who went into a coffee shop and had a coffee on a filter, like a V60 or a B house or something like that for the first time. And it really was, you know, eye opening. So all that you can, we can talk about that in the talk back, the hashtag IBMOC talk. And we can kind of pitch specific ideas back and forth. If maybe you're, you're a particular type uh you know you want your coffee particular type uh the things that we're going to talk about here may not directly affect you but going back to the clever coffee dripper i have a friend uh his name was kyle in cincinnati that shared a lot of coffee knowledge with and um he was a really big part about me learning more about specialty coffee and i remember he brought over his clever coffee dripper once and i think it's a great little device because the clever coffee dripper if you're not familiar it's a, it's a big plastic cup with a handle is what it looks like. It has a lid and the bottom, there's a little suction, but there's a, a tray uh, or a little plastic uh, piece that's attached to that suction. So there's little feet on it. When you place it down on its feet, uh, nothing inside of that cup leaves. However, if you were to set it on top of a mug, it lifts the plate, which is actually um, within those feet and you, it, we'll put a picture up or a link to something about it in the show notes so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. But when you push up on that, that plastic piece, it, it separates the suction inside the, the brewer and allows any water or coffee or whatever's inside the top to drain down to the bottom, whether that be in a mug or a carafe or a, a thermos or whatever it is that you're brewing. So 
you can brew it several ways. Uh, the, the basic way to do it is an immersion style brewer. So you'll put your coffee in, uh, you'll put a filter inside of it, like a paper filter or a cone filter, a metal cone. You'll put the coffee in, you'll fill it up with hot water, and you just let it sit a couple minutes. So it's similar to a French press, but it is kind of the inverse. So instead of plunging down the coffee grounds to the bottom and then pouring out the coffee, when you set that on top of a device, uh, like a carafe, like I mentioned before, or a mug, all the coffee starts to grow through the grounds out and it's filtered. So you actually have a very clean cup, but you still have uh, a, uh, an immersion style cup. So the reason I suggest that is because I think it's a good crossover for people who are coming from unfamiliar territory with specialty coffee, lighter roasts. It it has a lot more body. It's not overly bright, depending on how you brew it. And it also still provides you with a clean cup. So sometimes people will be coming from a French press or something, you know, and they, they just don't, they don't like how gritty it is, how dirty it is. And you lose all that and you get a clarity more like a, a, a pour over. And you can, you can brew that in a bigger batch, right? I mean, like, I know one of us is probably going to talk about the AeroPress here at some point, but right. like you can brew more coffee in a Clever than you can in like an AeroPress, right? Yeah, I can't remember how much I've gone up to. Maybe 500 milliliters. Okay, um, that's like twice as much as an AeroPress most of the time. When I left my old company, I left my one of my coworkers with a, a Clever that we just, I kind of dialed in with a blade grinder and he just had a, a, a water, a heated water kettle. It wasn't a gooseneck or anything, just had a spout and he could just use his little blade grinder. We have scales back there. We worked in a lab, so he, he fortunately had a scale, but he, he would just put in some coffee, fill it up to a certain point with the water for a certain amount of time. And then it would, he knew when to put it on his mug and he'd have coffee. So there's no pouring technique or anything like that required nope. here. No, nope. I mean, you can... So it's a good starting place. You so. can use yeah, it as a pour-over dripper if you want. You yeah, you can set leave it, it on open. Top of a server or yeah, a mug go. or something. Nice. Yeah, that's the second way. I think I, it was probably 20 minutes ago when I said that there are two ways to do it. But yeah, the second way would be non the, the non-immersion way. And you just leave that bottom part open. You just brew like a regular brewer. I, it's, just, it's just a great device. It, it's resistant to being traveled and knocked around it's it's all BPA plastic, plastic right? so, so yeah. yeah bpa free cool I shouldn't say it's bpa plastic it's just all bpa it's just it's just 100 BPA plastic. BPA. <laughs> oh gosh no one's everyone's gonna be like no never i'm never getting a clever dripper but uh i think it's uh i think it's a great brewer it's one that there's a lot of times i still don't it's still not necessarily my f- favorite the more i have explored coffee but it's. I think it's a great starting point. As a recommendation for for a starting point, it's going to be right. a, a really probably a, a big step up from a from a French press. It's sounding like, J- right. Just in that like paper filtration and all of that ease ease of cleanup and everything else. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of attractive features there. Where like it's not super technique dependent. Uh, it's really easy to clean up. Um, it's hard to break. It's pretty hard to spill too. I mean, you could tip it over, but. You know, I, I know a lot of people who are, um, they're hesitant to get into a French press because they don't want to have a big glass brewer. Um, they don't want to mess around with cleaning it out. And, you know, you know, most French presses are a little difficult to, to fully clean out afterward. Um, and the Clever, I mean, it solves a lot of those problems. And it's really great for, like, the office, too. You know, it's just 
being so easy to use and clean, it's uh, it's an easy way to bring better coffee into a place where you know you know the coffee's not usually that great, and you don't always have very much time to sit around pulling shots of espresso like we do at Prima. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the best things about it in a work environment or not is my wife and my mom I've had I got I had them both set up with the ability to use it because it doesn't require a specific pour or even a consistent pour, right? You just you fill it up to um where it needs to be filled and then yeah. you let it sit like a french press. So it it doesn't require a lot of um maintaining it during the brew. Yeah, I think the most you probably do is maybe give it a stir like once. So, Steve, what about you? If you were going to recommend a brew method or you were going to help somebody decide on a brew method, what what would you recommend? Uh, I mean, I go to the clever a lot. Uh, and, you know, for the reasons that Brian gave and the reasons that I, I just kind of mentioned. Um, sure. So, you know, beyond that, if if somebody's looking for like like the clever is something that I'd recommend to like my dad, who's not super into coffee, but, you know, he he can appreciate a, a good cup of coffee. And, you know, sometimes he'll look for uh a way to to brew something better um but he's not gonna bother learning pouring techniques or anything like that um so you know if you if you've got somebody who's looking for something a little bit more where they you know they want to really emphasize um the well (laughs) you know the notes and everything in their coffee they really want to bring out the best and they want to have something more like a coffee shop experience at home um you know, I think the Kalita Wave is probably a good way, a, a good point to start in terms of like pour over brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I find that it's more forgiving of grind and pouring technique. And I think that that's mainly because of the sort of the way the cone is built. Um, so it's, uh, I guess they call it, it's a truncated cone or uh, like basket style. Um, it's a flat bottom dripper basically, and it has three holes at the bottom. So what that means is that you have a maximum flow rate built right in. Like it cannot flow through any faster, which means that um, whereas like in a V60 where it's got a really big opening at the bottom and it's got these really steep sort of sidewall uh, like fins or veins, um, water just like rushes straight through that thing. So it's very, very um, dependent on how you pour your water. Um, The Kalita wave is way more forgiving because uh, water will just pool in the brewer. Um, the grounds will sort of sink to the bottom in this disc and um, create sort of their own filtration. Um, and that means that, you know, you don't get as much turbulence from uh, your pores, um, or at least the turbulence that you have spreads out more evenly. Um, you don't see as much water, like, leaking straight through the sides and never coming back into the brew. So, like, all these things come together and it allows you to brew a really great co- uh, cup of coffee um, with a pour-over dripper, which is a really great entry into that into that field. Because you know, if you get really good cups of coffee, and you know, maybe you have to focus a little bit on technique, um, but it's not beating you down like a V60 might, then that's a really rewarding experience, and it's going to get you even more interested in coffee. And you know, it'll help you help prepare you for um, getting into a V60 or something like that later on. So, I mean, I recommend to I, I recommend the Kalita to even like shop owners who are saying that they want to get into pour over brewing, but nobody's really trained yet. Um, you know, again, it's a really it's it's a lot more forgiving, um, and it's a really good way to get into it. It still gives you a really great cup of coffee, um, and it's a sort of a, a great um, 
just sort of, I guess, an entry into that that field where sometimes things can get a little bit more complicated. Yeah, and in terms of size, um, you know, I, I up until recently, probably the last, I don't know, maybe like six months or so, I had never actually had uh, a Kalita at home, so I wasn't really using them or familiar with them at all. Um, so I actually opted for uh, the the smaller sized option, the 155. So they make a yeah. 155 and they make a 185. Um, and so if you're searching for them, just know that there's two specific sizes. And the smaller one for me is like perfect for just a single cup of coffee for me. I'm the only one in the house uh, who drinks coffee. And that little 155 can make just the, the perfect amount of coffee for me. And like you say, I've, I've also found that it seems to be very consistent. Like if I'm having trouble dialing in a particular coffee, uh, the 155, the, the Kalita is just, it feels like it's, it's always a go-to option and it's really consistent and, you know, it's, it's, it's almost really hard to mess up, I've found, uh, which kind of, like you say, it makes, makes it as a really good recommendation to somebody getting started or interested in stepping up their, their brew game. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a uh, it's a positive reinforcement brewer. <laughs> you know, yeah. you start getting some really good cups of coffee right off the bat, and you feel really happy about it. Yeah, and and mine, I I go back and forth on this all the time. My 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 recommendation for people is the Chemex. Um, I think it was probably you know I I did kind of get into specialty coffee with the V sixty, but it wasn't until I got my Chemex that I really started, you know, maybe it's not the most repeatable or consistent of brewers, but it feels like every cup that comes out of it is just super clear and clean. Um, it definitely, you know, it, you might, you might have a little bit more technique involved, or you might be a little bit more dependent on your grinder at this point. Um, but once you get those variables figured out, I feel like the the coffee that comes from a Chemex is just at another level above what, what most people are used to drinking. Um, and that's actually what, you know, a couple episodes ago we talked about coffee in the office and that's actually what I brew all of my coffee in for folks in our office. And, you know, they're always talking, I mean, I know it's the, the quality of the coffee that I'm bringing in and the freshness of it and everything else. But the the choice of using a Chemex and serving, you know, coworkers coffee that came from from you know the Chemex itself, I, I feel like is is bringing them something that they probably were not would not find in another brew method. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm a big Chemex fan. I'm not sure. I'm- well, that and the device itself, it, the form and function is one that is different than other brewers because. Um, it's the both the brewer and the caref in one. And so kind of like our last episode where we talked about, like, uh, let's say an iced, if you want to make an iced coffee, you can do that in the device itself. Um, and again, you just you don't have to worry about having another container uh, or a caref or a thermos necessarily. I mean, you'll have a mug, obviously, at the end, but um, it just has that two in one just one body package. You know, there have been newer brewers lately that have been combining themselves into a design that does this, but uh, the Chemex has kind of been the one um, filter, 
pour over, if you would say, um, type brewer that is that has that kind of design. What I th- what I find is really interesting is that I think the the Chemex filters are really where the the uniqueness of that brewer is. Um, they're really thick um, bonded paper. Um, they I think they're really responsible for a lot of the the flavor clarity and just even the flavor profile that we associate with Chemex. Um, and I say this because I've brewed Chemex filters on like a V60 before, um, which is almost exactly the same cone shape, um, but there's not as much adhesion between the filter and the like the glass sidewall. And I would not really be able to tell you the difference between a V60 brew with a Chemex filter and a Chemex brew with a Chemex filter. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I, uh, I've done that, and I've also done two V60 filters in a Chemex, and I don't notice much difference between um, a Chemex with the Chemex papers versus like more filtration in the Chemex. So that is a very good point. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, you know, if if you're looking into like getting a Chemex and you're like, oh man, those things cost 30 bucks or something. You know, if you've got a V60 or even you just want to buy one of the one of the cheaper plastic ones, get the plastic V60, get the $10 box of Chemex filters, try it out, see if you like it. And, you know, there you go. You, you have half the investment cost of of getting a Chemex and you get pretty much the same flavor out of it. I have not tried this myself, um, but I hear a lot of people on Twitter and such things talking about the differences in the Chemex filters themselves. So they have the bleached versus unbleached filters and i've not actually had the unbleached filters just because i've heard so much you know negative things about about the unbleached filters so is is the actual filter itself important to each their own because (laughs) there are people who swear by unbleached filters but to me um in my own in my own side by side and this is um running water through and then trying it or running water through dumping it and then running water through even after rinsing and brewing it. I feel like I have a a severe papery taste to any brew with unbleached filters. Yeah. I generally prefer bleach filters um, for, I mean, regardless of brew method Um, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of people who, who say that you know they don't want to they don't want to deal with bleach filters because bleach but i mean most most filters are bleached with like hydrogen peroxide they're they're oxygen bleached um mm. it's not it's not like they're getting soaked in chlorine they certainly don't smell or taste like chlorine you know looking at it on the surface if you if you had no experience with it or you weren't hearing what people were saying about it you might think oh well you know the least chemically option is going to be the unbleached filter Right, but right. you'd probably not be getting the best quality filter, at least in the minds of some people. And in the it was in the clever where I noticed it the worst, and I don't know if that's because of it sitting in that filter for you know several minutes before it, it um, dropped out. But those unbleached filters I just thought were real, real bad, left really bad taste in it. But again, um, some people love that versus the bleach, um, and that's. Fine. So, you know, these are just a few brew methods, right? You know, we talked about the Clever, uh, you know, we talked about the Kalita, and we've also talked about the Chemex and the Ke- the Chemex filters themselves. There are so many other manual brew methods out there, like the V60, the 
the bee house, the you know all all sorts of uh, the AeroPress itself, uh, tons of brew methods, and relatively you know inexpensive options out there for getting into a specific brew method. You know if you if you're interested in trying something that's full immersion, you know there's cheap options out there for full immersion brewing. If you really want to get you know fancy with with you know pouring technique and all those other things, there's there's fairly inexpensive options out there as well that that'll let you do that. Yeah, you know, definitely a lot of options out there. We're not going to necessarily cover all of them here, uh, but getting started, there's there's some really great ways to to get into manual brewing at home. Well, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Next week, episode 21, we will be talking about the rest of this discussion about manual brewing with Steve Reinhardt. We'll be talking about grinders, scales, kettles, and all the other products that you might need to get started manually brewing coffee at home. We'll also talk about some of the best websites and even some of the best times for you to go purchase these new products to get the best bang for your buck. If you haven't already followed us on Instagram, we are at iBrewMyOwnCoffee. We're on Twitter at BrewMyOwnCoffee. If you want to send us a message or leave us some feedback, please head on over to our website at iBrewMyOwnCoffee.com. Click the Contact Us link at the top of the page there, and you can shoot us an email. If you haven't already reviewed us on iTunes, we'd love it if you headed on over there and left us a positive review. And I feel like it's just right for us to finish this episode with a little bit of the beatbox stylings of Mr. Brian Bikey. Thanks, guys. I got a nice little clean jam. And by clean, I really mean it. It's clean, dawg. Sometimes I love sitting in the tub. Rub-a-dub-dub. Rub-a-dub-a-dick-a-dow. Sometimes I love sitting in the tub. Rub-a-dub-dub. Rub-a-dub-dub. Sometimes I love sitting in the tub. Rub-a-dub-dub. Rub-a-dub-a-dick-a-dow. Sometimes I love sitting in the tub. Rub-a-dub-dub. Rub-a-dub-dub. Splish. And a splash. And a splash. That's what I do in my bath. In my bath. With some soap. With some soap. And some toys. some toys. It's fun for all girls and boys. Sing it out now. Sometimes I love sitting in the tub. Rub-a-dub-dub. What about the rings? rings? Can't have a bath without the multicolored rings. What about the rings? rings? What about the rings? rings? Can't have a bath without the multicolored rings.